Don't Call Me Girl Boss is an unfiltered perspective from women small business owners. I'm your host, Jessica Buck, and I have been a small business owner for six years and counting of Sunless Ray, which is a spray tan business. I have a location in Orange County, California, and I'm currently doing mobile spray tans in Austin, Texas. I have also started selling my own online Sunless products. In this podcast, I interview like-minded women business owners who have been through all the stages of owning a business or are just starting one. I hope the stories you hear in these interviews will help you become the best version of yourself. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. This week I have on Lauren Gurley. She is, I actually went to high school with her. Um, her brother was the same age as me and she was a few grades older. She had a spray tan business when I was first starting my spray tan business. So she was one of my direct competitors. And then she closed her spray tan business and got into mortgage banking. And then she opened up an Airbnb with her husband in Cathedral City, which is basically Palm Springs where Coachella is. And now she's working on her second Airbnb location with her husband in Big Bear, which is like the mountains if you're not familiar. And I just, she has branded it so cute. It's called that yellow door and she has a yellow door on each of her Airbnbs. She's just, she is an entrepreneur for sure. And I just love following her journey and what she's doing with the Airbnbs. And I know a little bit of all of us want to own an Airbnb or strive to have some kind of rental property in the future. So I'm going to be asking her a lot of questions about that rental versus Airbnb and just really get all of the questions that we want answered, I want answered. And so I'm just super excited to have her on. So without further ado, here is Lauren. I know, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just living in Austin now and trying to have a business successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, so many people are leaving California. It's not surprising. I know. I'm so thankful we left before COVID, to be honest, because with my son just being in like nature and just the restrictions of California, it's just so crazy. Yeah. And even in California, when you're out in nature and trying to just get out of the house, everyone's doing the same thing. So it's all just super crowded. That's true. Yeah. And Austin, it is too, but it just, it's such like a different way of life here that I don't know. It's just different. It's just like very nature. It's just like everyone's always outside. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, well, I just had some questions I want to ask you. I know I sent it over to you. So I just kind of like jump in and just kind of like start from the beginning and then just like go into your journey. Is that okay? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Okay, great. So um, I know you grew up where you grew up in Fullerton, but if you just want to talk about that and where you went to high school. Of course. So I grew up in Fullerton, California. I went to Sunny Hills for the first two years of high school. And then I transferred to Rosary, an all-girls Catholic school in Fullerton. And then from there, I went on to Cal State Fullerton, and I studied child and adolescent development and was on track to go into teaching, but things just kind of got derailed and my interests changed and, you know, life happens and you kind of grow and find different career paths and entrepreneurship has always been a passion of mine, so... And on my current roles, there's a little bit of that going on in every avenue. So it's been a fun adventure since high school, that's for sure. 
What um, was your first, like, paying job in high school? Well, I've always babysat since I was, like, in eighth grade. Um, So that was always just kind of what I did on the side. So my first official job was at Starbucks. Um, and I worked at a drive through so I definitely learned a lot of work ethic there and a lot of people skills just with all the morning people and everyone that you work with. And that was my first paying job in high school where I had to punch a clock. Yeah. And then you went to college for adolescence. You wanted to be a teacher. And then what happened there? Were you, what did you end up doing? So from there, I was after I finished college and graduated, I started the credential program. And I had to pay my tuition to get myself through the credential program. So I was working full time at a mortgage company during the day. Um, And, you know, at the time, it was just more paper pushing. It wasn't anything that truly interested me. But real estate in general has always been intriguing. I always knew I wanted to own a house and, you know, potentially have rental properties. And so I just thought it was a good opportunity to learn. And then from that company, I was introduced to a different company, and I've been with that mortgage company on the sales side ever since. So that's been five years this month. Oh, wow. And then you did the spray tanning thing. How did that start? So spray tanning started in college when Starbucks just got too demanding with the hours. They weren't flexible with my school schedule. Um, you know, and I was in a sorority at the time and I was in leadership positions and I just needed a really flexible schedule between classes constantly changing and events changing and truly just wanting to enjoy my college experience. I needed something that I could do to make money and um, I needed to do it on my own terms. So (laughs) the whole thing actually started because my dad and stepmom were going to Hawaii And my stepmom is fair-skinned, and she actually had melanoma in the past. And so she's always been super conscious of being out in the sun. And so my dad's like, why don't we get spray tans before we go to Hawaii? That way, you know, we're tan the whole time and can still lather up on sunscreen. And so they got spray tans together, and it was out of someone's house locally, I think in your Belinda. And my dad came home, and he's like, Lauren you should totally do this. This lady just has a setup in her house and you know, you just come in, get a spray tan and then you leave. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know, dad, like my life's already pretty busy and hectic. And without really any more to the conversation, two weeks later, a spray tanning machine and tent and everything I needed (laughs) arrived at the sorority house. (laughs) And me and my friends all just kind of laughed. And I called my dad. I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. It's like, Oh, just give it a try you know, it's, it's in your hands now. And I'm like, okay. And to be honest, like the machine sat there in the sorority house for months. And then spring came and one of my sisters, Megan, actually worked at a tanning salon. And she was like, I'll teach you how to use it. We all need spray tans or in a sorority, you know, you might as well just do it. And so we went in the sorority house chapter room and I just, conned all the girls to come in and let me practice on them and one thing led to another and then eventually I got certified and you know legitimized the business with a business license and all those details and then kind of grew my brand from there that's so interesting that your dad did that that's actually really cute (laughs) oh it's like the best he's always been super supportive and super sweet and 
I mean, literally, it was like a three minute conversation. And then two weeks later, everything I needed was at the house. Oh, I wish my parents would do that. That's so cute. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, it really set the foundation for my future. I mean, I've always been a hard worker, but I saved 50% of what I made and I always just kept it in savings and the other 50% I lived on and I grew the business to, you know, go on and buy better tanning solutions, better machines. Um, For a little bit, I did have a few people working with me, um, but that just got really difficult because everyone gets pretty comfortable with you as the official spray tanner and personally going to their house and things like that. So were you strictly mobiles? I was strictly mobile all through college, and then after I bought my first house, my dad did build a tanning studio in the garage for me, and then I switched pretty much to only tanning outside of my house. So when you had other employees, did you have them doing mobiles? Yes, they were doing mobile spray tans, and then they were also sorority friends, so we did honestly a lot of spray tans at the sorority house. We had a huge chapter room that was a garage conversion and so we kind of just set up in there and before big events and everything everyone would just come and you know sign up for a time slot on a google sheet and we would spray tan them (laughs) what was it like having them being employees and being mobile I'm always terrified of that with California and like laws it's probably maybe stricter now because I know yours was a few years ago but how did you do that I mean I definitely just went on rocket lawyer and drew up some basic contracts and yeah Every time they specifically went to someone's house, the client had to sign a contract basically releasing us of any liability. And so, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, we never were in a bad spot, but definitely now that I'm older, it's not something I would do lightly. I would definitely investigate more and possibly sit down with a lawyer just because over the years, it seems everyone's gotten a little bit more sue happy. Uh, I mean, you know, we always did vet our clients. Everyone was a referral. Everything started as friends and family, and it just kind of grew from there. So to be honest, I was just truly lucky to have great clients and really reliable girls that would help me. And, you know, it was beneficial for them. We pretty much just split everything um, 20, 80. So I didn't take much. It was mostly just so I could reach my clients and just keep the clientele going. Oh, that's a big, I feel like that's not like salon standard. Normally it's 60, 40. So you were definitely generous. <laughs> I mean, I always just feel like, you know, if you incentivize people, they're going to be working harder for you. And so, you know, I'm never afraid to give away money as long as I'm making something back. And so I always just, even today, just try to be generous with people. And as long as they're working hard and, you know, communicating and meeting standards, that's enough for me. It's more just about always growing and learning, and it's just kind of part of the process. And I wasn't really in salons or anything. I wasn't even in the beauty industry aside from tanning. I've never been, like, a super girly girl, so I didn't really. I haven't either. That's what's interesting, too. I'm not, like, that girly. It just spray tanning kind of fell in my lap, too, very differently, but kind of the same situation. I wasn't like, I'm going to be a spray tanner. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, my favorite part of it was really just the girl time. You know, a lot of clients become friends and, you know, you see them on a weekly or biweekly basis and you just grow a relationship with them, especially when you're doing mobile, you get to know their family. Yeah, definitely. It was 
this one family was just, they were so amazing and so generous. And, you know, I was there every other week for four or five years. And, you know, you just hang out with the family, get invited to birthday parties. And that was all just kind of part of the fun. Yeah. What were some of your biggest hurdles with that business? Definitely scheduling because as you know, with mobile travel time is the biggest hurdle. And I would say that really that was the biggest reason I didn't continue with it because more and more people just wanted mobile instead of coming just because of the nature of spray tanning, you know, you're vulnerable after and they just feel more comfortable in their own home and want to be in their pajamas and just chill. And so it was really hard to schedule people and still make a decent amount of money in the evenings. Yeah. So it is very difficult. I'm doing it right now in Austin and it's hour gaps and then it's, it's a hustle. (laughs) It's exhausting. It's definitely exhausting. And, you know, it starts to get a little bit lonely because, you know, if there's an hour break and it doesn't make sense to go home, then you kind of just like sit in your car in a Starbucks parking lot or mm-hmm. literally at, me today. <laughs> yeah. Or chill at Starbucks on your phone. Like, so, I mean, that part for me was the hardest and, you know, evenings, it was always difficult because everyone for me wanted to tan in the evenings and you can only fit yeah. so many people in. And your evenings are gone. It's a really hard business because I'm gone every night. Exactly. I mean, it's nice to be flexible and free during the day, but then I'm the type of person that just fills my schedule. So I always had another job and, you know, it just became a lot. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's just, but yeah, it is a hustle for sure. But I remember following you because you were one of my direct competitors and I had just started. So, you know, you look at your competition and I remember seeing like your little flag on your Jeep and it was just so cute, your business. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I've always loved branding and my last name, especially in the spray tanning industry, was perfect. It being girly. Mm-hmm. So um, one of my friends, Isa, he's a graphic designer. So we went through quite a few drafts of logos. So that was definitely a fun part of the process. And, you know, girly for branding, is hard to forget. Yeah, it is hard to forget. I still remember it. Um, <laughs> for branding, how did you do that with spray tanning? How was that? How did that help your business? Um, I just feel like with, you know, Instagram, especially then it was growing and just the hashtag and spray tanning in general had shifted. I mean, when we got into the industry before the big market was people going into those booths and getting the spray tans by the machines, it was very new to have a technician tanning you. So I felt like just branding myself and doing the whole mobile aspect at the time really set myself apart. Because everyone at the time was really going to mobile, I mean, to tanning salons, brick and mortar tanning salons, and getting mm-hmm. tanned by the machines. And so I think, you know, the branding just helped as far as word of mouth, because sometimes people forget, you know, oh, what was the name of that tanning place or the girl? And it's always just easy to remember, girly tans. And so, yeah. and everyone calls me girly, and even clients probably didn't even know my first name. People call me Ray, too, and so I'm always like, no, it's definitely Jessica, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember something. Yeah. And then why did you end up deciding to close it? I had a full-time job, and I was in the mortgage industry, and ultimately, um, you know, I had more opportunity to learn and grow in that industry, 
and I was newly engaged and, you know, it was just really hard working all day, every day. I mean, I wouldn't have a free evening Wednesday through Friday night. And so Mm -hmm. that was really difficult, you know, trying to set a foundation for our future. And it was a hard decision. And, you know, for a little bit, I did try just having a friend handle everything, but, you know, her life got busy and it just became too difficult with a brand new full-time job and planning a wedding and all those things. Did you think about selling it at any point or did you just? I didn't want to sell it because it had my last name in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of my clients, I didn't want to be responsible if they had a bad experience after the fact. And so I I mean, to be honest, just never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then do you still get spray tans? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have my machine. And when I was spray tanning, the most popular question was always, who spray tans you? Yeah. And at the time, it was my boyfriend, fiance, now husband. And he still spray tans me to this day. So, yeah. So, is he good at it now? Um, I mean... We're definitely both a little rusty because we don't do it as often as we did. Our social lives aren't quite the same as they were five years ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're good. They're they're good enough. <laughs> yeah. Me and my boyfriend get in huge fights because he always messes up. So I'm just giving up and just use the moose now. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I know. So how was the change going from owning a business to just going to be a full-time worker? Well, being in mortgage on the sales side is kind of like owning your business because you do have to build your own clientele and source of referrals. Um, You are definitely punching a clock, but it's still a more flexible schedule than a typical job in a corporate America. And so, you know, we have the own sorts of referrals and you want to keep the same clients because there's always opportunity for clients to buy other houses or refinance. And so, you know, just like any clientele, it's just something that you nurture and take care of and slowly grow and, you know, word of mouth from good work and being able to help people finance and figure out what's best for their financial needs. Yeah. My, well, he's not really my brother, but I don't know if you knew him in high school, John McGrail. Yeah. He is in the business. He, like, refinances houses, and they're, like, crushing it right now. It's, like, ridiculous. Yes. Is that because the, the rates are so low? Yes. Rates are historically low, so it's definitely a crazy time in the industry right now. Um, it's been nonstop since March. Wow. Yeah. He says he's crushing it, but they have no life. Yeah. Literally no life. Because <laughs> so his but- wife is the lend. She does the lending too. So they, he does the sales and then she- they work for a company that just, they both do- are in that industry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then the two of them have no life. <laughs> and they have two kids. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how you guys are doing it. Yeah. I mean, you kind of just got to roll with the punches, just like any industry, like the tanning industry, you know, the busiest times were for me, like April and May in March mm-hmm. because of all the festivals and you know those months I kind of just knew that I was going to be really busy and it was time to hunker down and just be disciplined and make the money and be there for your clients and kind of the same in mortgage when rates drop you kind of just have to hunker down and 
do what you can and be there for the moment and just know that it's going to end at some point and you will have some time for you know to come up for air but right now we're all just kind of in the same boat yeah well it's a good problem to have when you're too busy yeah (laughs) pros and and cons always yeah so you guys started the yellow door if you just want to talk a little bit about that like how'd you even get the idea for that yeah so you know it was born within my mortgage career like I mentioned earlier, I was always fascinated with real estate and I knew that, you know, to build long-term wealth and be able to potentially retire at a reasonable age, we would need to have passive income. And the best way I knew how being in the industry was to invest in real estate and Airbnb, you know, isn't as new, but I started talking with clients who had Airbnbs and, you know, they kind of just shared some of their industry knowledge And my husband and I at the time had just sold our first house and we were just renting. And so we did have the opportunity to buy and we just kind of decided to go for it. Um, I always have crazy ideas. The spray tanning one was my dad's idea, but, (laughs) you know, I would just kind of go for things and see if it works out. And that yellow door has definitely been a fun adventure. We've learned a ton. Um, you know, we really had no idea what we were doing or getting into, but day by day, you just kind of Google, you listen to podcasts, you just constantly keep refreshing yourself with knowledge. And, you know, the biggest thing right now is city code as things change with COVID and just the real estate industry in general. So it's definitely something that keeps me and my husband on our toes. It's something that we can do together, which is fun. And it gives us an opportunity for you know, a vacation home for ourselves and our future family, which is also pretty cool. How did you choose the first location? One of our clients, um, he has a few properties in the area and he full-time manages his own properties and some others. He's a real estate agent as well. And so he offered to property manage for us. Um, So we are very hands-on, but he does help out with you know, when clients or when guests are visiting, he's their direct point of contact in case they need anything because he lives in the area. And so we just felt with his knowledge and expertise um, and such a large investment for us, it would be good to have someone that we could kind of lean on if we felt like we needed the help. Yeah. And then Cathedral City is basically, it's really close to Coachella, right? Yes. It's about 40 minutes from Indio. So Um, we still definitely get good rates, but it's very close to Palm Springs and Mm -hmm. the price point in Cathedral City for a home is just a little bit cheaper than it is in Palm Springs. And so our budget just fit better in Cathedral City. Um, we felt like it was a good central location in the desert because it's a quick drive to most places, including, you know, Coachella and Stagecoach. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we just felt like it was a really good opportunity. There's events year round in the desert, um, (laughs) pre-COVID. <laughs> so. Yeah. How has COVID affected you guys? So at first, you know, just like every business out there, we had to pivot. Um, we were shut down immediately by the uh, the county of Riverside. And so we were not allowed to rent our home um, while everyone kind of navigated through the shutdown. And so at the time, my husband and I were living in a tiny apartment And we decided just to stay at the yellow door and enjoy the time there because we couldn't rent it. And then it was about 
six weeks that we couldn't. And so we were basically covering a mortgage and our rent. And then thankfully Riverside lifted their restrictions. Um, well, they didn't lift them, but they, you know, put some new safety items in place so that we could go back to renting. And so we definitely took advantage and put it back on the market. Um, we had to pivot with our cleaning crew and we definitely go through a more rigorous cleaning procedure. Um, same with our pool and everything like that. So, you know, it's definitely a little bit more costly to keep the business running, but it's just for the safety of our guests and that's what's most important. So, you know, just pivoting like everyone else. <laughs> I know, that's like the key word of the year. Yeah, it is, it is. Is it still getting booked up with COVID? Yes, we definitely have um, high occupancy rates. So we've been really lucky. We definitely feel like the location is prime for COVID because you have Orange County um, and LA that want to retreat from their own homes and especially this heat this year. I don't know if everyone feels like it's extra hot because we're all stuck at home, but you know, we've been really lucky because everyone from Orange County and LA have been coming out and booking. We've been getting longer stays, which is nice. So guests are staying on an average of four to six nights per booking. Um, whereas before it was more of an average of three nights. So it kind of gives our cleaning crew a break and you know, our guests get to enjoy the amenities a little bit longer, which is nice. And then how did you come up with the yellow door? Um, so um, like I said before, I was obsessed with branding. So we knew we had to have a name that we could grow and that could fit on future properties if we decided to keep going. Um, and the yellow came about from our honeymoon. We were in Greece and I was wearing this yellow dress and we were just on this rooftop and there was this epic sunset. And from then on, I've just been obsessed with the color yellow just from all those photos. And so when this opportunity or like came about, we just decided on that yellow door and then kind of built our branding around that. That's cute. I know. So you just paint all the doors yellow, right? That's going to be And then plan. obviously there's more more branding involved in that but that's like the key element yeah so that will be like our signature I mean obviously there's going to be other Airbnbs that have yellow doors but you know we are working on trademarking and different things to just kind of protect the name itself um but I think it's just like a fun color as well I think it's very welcoming and bright and I think it signifies a vacation color because yellow tends to make people smile so mm-hmm and then how, I know we talked about with spray tanning, but is branding Airbnb locations, is that pretty common or is that like something that makes you stick out from the pack? Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of people are investors in Airbnb and they just look at it more as a business, not necessarily branding. So they kind of just take it property by property. So it's definitely more unique to have a specific brand. Um, there's definitely a lot that have you know, Instagram accounts and things like that, of course, just for marketing and advertising purposes. But it doesn't seem like the industry norm is for people to specifically brand their properties yet. Yeah, I think that definitely sticks you out because that's like what caught my attention. I'm like, wow, that's so cute. It's not just like, hey, I have an Airbnb. Like, here's the link. It's like, hey, you know, I have this cute Instagram. Everything's yellow. And that's like why I even follow the account because it's like, obviously it's you, but it's also cute. And it's something interesting. 
thank you. Yeah, I mean, we figured, you know, there's tons. I mean, Instagram is just so overwhelming with what kind of content you can find on there. And so we definitely just wanted to differentiate ourselves somehow. Um, we're still figuring it out because obviously it's a brand new industry for us. It's been just a year, so it's been fun. Um, we just got masks made that are branded, so we're dropping those off at the <laughs> Desert House this week. It's like the new branding tool. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely fun. I, I love the pops of yellow. I think it really helps me when we're decorating the house, too, and, you know, kind of just obviously gives us a color scheme because we have to plan around it. Um, our new venture in Big Bear Lake, it's definitely a little bit more challenging to incorporate the yellow because everything's just so green here. But I think we've found a color scheme that's going to work, and we're excited. Yeah. And then um, what is it like having your house listed on an Airbnb? Is it like scary that like someone's going to have you had any bad experiences or anything like that? I would say in the last year we've had two. Um, one, we didn't find out about until after the fact. We've made great connections with our neighbors there because the people surrounding our property, they live there full time. They're residents. It's their primary residence. So we wanted to make sure that they knew us, that they had our contact information. Um, that way, if anything ever went wrong, we could start communicating with them before anything escalated to the county or even the police if necessary. Thankfully, nothing like that's happened. Um, I will say that I think having a smaller house has really helped our, uh, us pinpoint our clientele. Um, I would say because we have a three-bedroom, two-bath house. We don't get large party groups. It really tends to be just three groups of a cup of couples or a family. And those people tend to be more mellow. If people have kids, they're really just playing in the pool all day and then they kind of turn in for the night. So we've been really lucky. Um, but, you know, the challenging instances are we have one guest right now recently that, you know, started accusing us of certain things and, you know, and it's just very difficult because it's their prerogative versus our prerogative. And so that's been challenging and kind of a blow to our ego. I won't lie just cause you know, we do put a lot of pride and time into this. And so it is hurtful to think that someone would feel that we're being malicious or not doing something. So that's, yeah. that's been challenging, but that's one out of hundreds of guests. So I just have to look at the bigger picture. There's <laughs> always the one person, you know, that was spray tan. You know, there's always someone you can never make happy. Exactly. And there, and there's certain people that just like to complain, you know, they want to try to get free mm -hmm. stuff and you know, it is what it is, but it was definitely hard yeah. to, to work with that client just because, you know, overall everyone has a positive experience and that's our goal. You know, everything that we put in the house from charging stations to fun pool towels to pull toys and constantly restocking them is so people can have a good experience there. And so when someone doesn't, you know, that it's pretty hard to take. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's probably the hardest part. So you want everyone to be happy. And when someone's not, it's just like, what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. But you know, it kind of just goes with the territory, just like spray tanning, you know, can't make everyone happy. No, I know I have a high standard for myself too. So when someone says they had a bad experience, you know, with spray tanning, there's so many things that can go wrong. So it's, it's hard. That's just, I think spray tanning is a very hard industry because of that. Oh, absolutely. And 
with spray tanning, especially you're tanning them for events. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just a girl's weekend or someone's wedding, it's a very important event in their life regardless. And so it's, it's a really big deal and it's a lot of pressure for sure. And, you know, you just really want everyone to be happy with how they look and make sure they feel confident. And it's definitely all part of the process. How do you have success, a successful Airbnb location? I saw that you guys just became like a super host. Yeah. So Airbnb really does provide a lot of you know, markers for you to hit and goals that you should keep in mind. Um, And through podcasts and things like that, we've just really learned. And it's really just all about the guest experience. So especially when you're first starting out with a brand new home, you know, we tried to stock it as best we could. My biggest thing personally, when I've stayed at Airbnbs in the past is they say they have a fully stocked kitchen, but you get there and the knives are dull or they only have one pan from Walmart and it's, you know, not very comfortable to cook in. And so we really were intentional about stocking the kitchen and giving someone everything that they would need as if they were going to their own vacation home. And every time someone left us feedback about something that they felt the house could have used, we jumped on it right away. if We felt like it was in reason. Um, One of the biggest things, which I feel silly for not having at the beginning, were more full-length mirrors throughout the house. Um, and so that was something we added right away. As soon as a group of girls mentioned it, you know, they said it would have been really great if there was more full length mirrors. We all had to share the one and the master. And I'm like, oh my God, of course girls need those. (laughs) And so just little touches like that, um, and constantly communicating with our guests while they're staying to make sure that they have everything they need. You know, a lot of people don't have pools at home. So running the pool equipment, even though it's on an app can be tricky for people so just constantly making sure that we're communicating with them so they have everything they need and that they can use all the amenities with ease and then you mentioned that you guys are renting but then you own homes what is that like I feel like that's got to be hard because you know you have these beautiful homes well we just bought our second one so we've only been live well okay so we started renting in Costa Mesa And we basically did that because we wanted to experience the beach life and just kind of enjoy it while we were young and didn't have kids. And it was just a little bit cheaper at the time than buying another house. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it was definitely hard, but it was motivating because every time we went to the desert house, our first yellow door project, it just reminded us why we were working so hard and that, you know, we just had to keep focused on what was important. Um, And now after our lease was up during COVID in Costa Mesa, and we bought our Big Bear Lake property, we're living here full time while we renovate and prep it for Yellow Door location number two. Yeah, I think there's beauty in struggling, not struggling, you guys I'm sure are doing fine, but like living in a smaller space, you know, not owning a home that you fully live in and just living in an apartment while you guys give everything to your other locations. Exactly. You know, and success looks different for everyone. And we just felt like we could grow faster and, you know, dedicate more time if we didn't own the house that we lived in. Because no matter what the home is, even if it's a brand new house, there's always stuff you want to do and you end up drawing your attention to that. And we wanted our focus to be on our vacation rental, that yellow door. And so it was definitely challenging and it was definitely really hard living in an apartment while we knew we had a beautiful three bedroom house when we were stuck yeah, in a what an interesting concept. Yeah, <laughs> we were stuck in a one bedroom. 
So, I mean, that was definitely a wild experience. But, you know, when we got to quarantine there for a month and a half, it just made it all the more beautiful because we truly got to enjoy it and see the fruits of our labor. And that was that was a cool experience. Yeah, I bet. That's a great place to be stuck yeah. at. <laughs> and then I know you guys did a lot of renovations on the first one and are doing a lot of renovations on the second one. Did you guys contract out or do you do a lot of the work yourself? Um, so the first location, we put in a pool. So thankfully, the interior was completely redone. We really just added decor and furniture and all the good stuff that you need for the house. We have no experience in putting in pools, so we definitely contracted that out. Um, you know, we interviewed a couple of people, but out in the desert, it's it's very common to add a pool because you pretty much need one. <laughs> in the hotter mm-hmm. months, it's the only way to survive the heat. Um, I would say that was challenging because we were two hours away. So whenever they were working on the house, we would have to FaceTime and things like that. So that was definitely a little bit more difficult. Um but, you know, we made it through and they were able to put in the pool fairly quickly. And we were driving every weekend over to the desert house just to prep it because we did work full time in Orange County. And yeah, that part was hard because, you know, for two months we couldn't do anything on the weekends. We were just always there putting together furniture and painting and just doing random things, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second location, I saw on Instagram, you guys are doing a little bit more work than the first one? Um, I think in the end, it's definitely going to be more work. Um, We knew that when we bought it, we would have to redo the decking. And that's what our focus is on. But with the decking, you know, it is attached to the house. So, you know, new projects keep coming up. Today, we actually met with the engineer and we're restructuring the front of the house. So that we can build kind of like an outdoor covered locker situation. That way in the winter when people come home from the slopes, from skiing and snowboarding, they can keep all their gear outside. Um, We'll have boot warmers in the lockers and everything will be covered just so that, you know, when you get into the house, it still remains clean and everyone's comfortable. Um, The one thing we learned from our first yellow door location is really just to maximize the space and make sure that guests have everything they need. And so I feel like skis and snowboards are like the most awkward thing in the world to carry and find places. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and it can mess up your flooring or all of that because people just throw it, especially when it's not their home, you know. So if you give them a space, they'll take care of exactly. it. Exactly. And we feel like, you know, putting the boot warmers will just make them all the more comfortable to be outside, even if it's for a few minutes, so they can unstrap, put everything in there and you know, keep everything that stays dirty outside and the house clean on the inside. (laughs) Yeah. So you're working on your second location. It's in Big Bear. Why did you guys choose there? Part of it was because of COVID. Um, You know, being in Orange County, it's just such a crowded city, especially Costa Mesa. And we just felt at the beginning, we couldn't really go out even to the beach and hikes and everything. It was so crowded and everyone was so weird. And when we got out to the desert and we're quarantined, everyone just kind of kept their distance and there's just more space out there. And so we knew for our second location, we wanted to be out in nature and just have a peaceful retreat for ourselves and for our guests. And so when we were comparing different locations, 
we really just felt that, you know, from Orange County, if we decide to move back, it's only a two-hour drive, just like the desert, and you get seasons, and we love to ski and snowboard, so it made sense for us, because then we don't have to rent an Airbnb, we can just stay at our own place, (laughs) and so it just had lots of positives, and I had only been up here during the winter, and so when we drove up during the summer to look at houses, we just fell in love. If it wasn't for COVID, do you think you guys would have opened up a location somewhere else? Actually, right before COVID, we were in escrow in Joshua Tree. And we went on a vacation and we were having some issues with the escrow period and negotiations and the sellers weren't really being very flexible and willing to negotiate. So we kind of just put in our last negotiation and said, we're going on vacation for a week. Please let us know when you get back, when we get back, what you would like to do. And they kept stalling, kept stalling, and then everything shut down. <laughs> and oh my gosh. we freaked out because, you know, at the time we were still renting, we would have that new mortgage, our first Yellow Door location mortgage, and we're like, that's too much for us to handle. So we backed out of escrow mm-hmm. in Joshua Tree, and we kind of just sat and waited to see what happened, just like everyone else with COVID. and. Our lease was coming up and, you know, we were on the verge of wanting to murder each other in a <laughs> I know. 450 square foot apartment working 12 hour days during the mortgage craze. So we knew we needed space and yeah. Wow. Do you, are you glad it worked out the way it did and you didn't get the Joshua Tree location? Yes, we're so thankful. I mean, the Joshua Tree location, I still mourn it because the backyard was probably the most epic backyard I've ever been in for a rental. The owners were pool contractors and they just made mm. the most beautiful pool ever. <laughs> but, you know, everything happens for a reason. And we did already have a desert house with a pool. So it's pretty cool to be up here in Big Bear and enjoying the mountain air and, you know, knowing what we're going to get to enjoy the seasons. Yeah, and when will this one be done? Um, well, with the construction and everything, things keep getting delayed, and everything is moving a lot slower in COVID because building supplies and everything is just on back order. And so originally we were hoping January 2021, but it's looking like March 2021 at this point. Mm, well, you know, I think the world's not going to be back to normal until around then anyway, so... I mean, you have that working in your favor. I mean, completely back to normal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not worried about it at all. To be honest, the longer we get to stay up here, the better. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask, so would you guys move back to Orange County after this one's done? I mean, we're definitely going to rent this place out, but I don't know if we'll stay in Big Bear or not. It really depends on our jobs and what's required of us when things start to go back to normal. Um, You know, we really like it up here. It's definitely more affordable to live with what you can buy real estate wise. So Mm -hmm. we're just kind of taking it week by week, like everyone else in the world right now. So you guys are all still remote then working your full-time jobs? Yes, we are. Yeah. So that's nice. You can be there and really dive into your business and see it day to day. Yeah. And all the construction, my dad's actually doing it. He's a general contractor. And so it's pretty cool because we get to see him every day. So that part of it's been really fun. It is nice. Yeah. And how many Airbnbs do you see you guys, you guys owning? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. 
it all just depends on capital and how much we can save. Ideally, it'd be amazing to have five and then, you know, one of us be able to run it full time, but Mm -hmm. we'll see. And then what do you think the difference is between Airbnb and then renting, just renting it out to someone, you know, like a normal lease? I think that the positives of Airbnb are that there's less wear and tear on your house. You know, people are in the vacation home a lot less because typically when they're on vacation, they're out doing activities and enjoying the area. And nine times out of 10, they're not cooking every single day. And you're also getting it professionally cleaned minimum once a week. So you know it's being taken care of. And so I think Mm. that the general maintenance is just better for your home. And then money-wise, do you make way more money Airbnb versus renting? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends on the area, of course. But, you know, in Cathedral City, I think the max rent that you can get for a three-bedroom, two-bath would maybe be $2,000 a month. And we're definitely Mm -hmm. exceeding that in our rentals. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever get nervous of like people not renting or are you guys so consistent now in Cathedral City that it's just like booked every weekend? It's very consistent. And, you know, when we got into the house, we made sure that, you know, even at a 50% occupancy rate, that that would be enough to cover the mortgage and expenses. So as long as we're at 50%, we will have no issues. Um, We've never been at 50% except for when we were required to shut down. We've consistently been at 80 plus so we've been really lucky and you know we're seeing very consistent bookings and right now our occupancy is over 90 percent since we were allowed to open up wow do you like why do you think some airbnbs fail like is it more than just like listing it on airbnb and be like okay hope it's the best bye it's like you're constantly nurturing it absolutely i mean you know you have to listen to what your guests are saying you have to pay attention you know, we have a handyman that comes out once a month and, you know, just kind of takes a look at the house and sees if anything needs to get fixed or changed. Um, you know, we're very hands-on. If decor breaks, we're fixing it. And there's some people out there that they're just kind of lazy or, you know, they're not paying attention. Yeah. And then what would you tell someone who wanted to start an Airbnb? I would say research is the most important. Um, especially with so many people getting into the industry, cities are becoming more strict about how you can operate an Airbnb and even if you're allowed to. And so research is the most important piece. You have to make sure that. Yeah, I saw like by Coachella, were they stopping it or what happened with that? Um, so I'm pretty sure in Indio, you can only rent 30 days at a time. So that's a big factor to consider because If someone's renting for a 30-day period, they're not going to be paying a nightly rate typically. And so you're not going to be making as much money. And so there's different things like that to consider. Like, for example, in Palm Springs, you can only rent your house a certain amount of days throughout the year. And so that also cuts in to your occupancy rate and how much profit you can make. Wow. And then Cathedral City, there's none. In Cathedral City, we're actually at risk of losing our Airbnb right now. Um, Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. There's a whole team. um, It's called I Love Cathedral City. 
and they're basically a nonprofit group of homeowners, vacation home rentals that are, that we've hired a lawyer are basically trying to fight the city um, because at this time they're trying to phase them out over the next two years. And so we're trying to reverse that right now. Why would they want to do that? They just want people not to be coming and going so much? Um, You know, a lot of residences, you know, they live next to properties that the managers don't really take care of or they don't vet the guests. And so they experience a lot of issues and it's a lot for the city to maintain. And so. Wow, that's got to be stressful to have over your head. I mean, just like anything else, you kind of take it one day at a time. Um, Yeah. Would you guys sell it or would you guys like lease it out if that happens? So if they phased out short-term rentals, they would adopt the model that you could rent 30 days at a time still. And so I think that we okay. would just play that route out and see. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so many things are and everything's changing every day. It's so much to keep up with. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lot, but that's why research is just so important. You know, a lot of people have started reaching out and, we're going to be developing a consultation platform so that we can help people get prepared if it's something that they're interested in, especially because most people are going to need mortgages to obtain property. And so I'm kind of putting it into my business plan through work as well as through that yellow door. And so, you know, research is the biggest thing. People think, oh, I'll just buy a house and put it on Airbnb. But there's a lot more background that goes into it for sure. So you're going to help other people start Airbnbs? Yeah, I've already helped a few people, um, just family, friends, and things like that. Um, one's an actual old spray tanning client, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a lot of time invested on my part to help them um, because it is a lot of research. It's something I'm passionate about. So, you know, for them, I didn't mind doing it, but it's definitely something that we're going to, you know, put together a business plan for so that we can start helping people that way. That'd be great. There's a lot of people in Texas doing that now. We're not zoned, but a lot of people are doing like shipping containers in their backyard. Yeah. And that's, I would, that's something that we want to do, but we are not zoned right. And that's going to be changing in the next couple of years, if not sooner. But that's like blowing up in Austin is having the shipping containers switched over to a rental property, an Airbnb. Yeah, we looked into that when we were doing our Joshua Tree House when we were in escrow. Because it was a big enough property to where we could add one. And then we could have two on one property. And so it's a lot harder than it looks online. That's for sure. Yeah, I've looked into it just very little. And it seems like it's a very expensive project. It is. It's very (laughs) cash heavy. And it just wasn't something that we wanted to invest in. Yeah, it just gives you that cool factor. Especially in Austin, everything's so eclectic and bright colors so when you have that people just choose it over you know a little studio oh, absolutely I mean I want to stay in one I haven't had the opportunity yet but it's definitely all me my too <laughs> yeah they're way more expensive we were looking at Airbnbs before we moved here and it was like $300 to stay in a shipping container and like $150 to stay in like a little oh. studio like it was a huge wow. difference a night yeah and do you list um, your house anywhere besides Airbnb? No, we've been pretty successful with Airbnb. Um, you know, people reach out through Instagram and want to book directly through us, but we just refer them back to the site. Um, it offers protection for both us and the guests. And we just think that overall it's 
a better solution for both parties involved because it just adds that extra layer of protection. Yeah, I think there's one other one. Isn't that like a competitor for Airbnb? I, B-O-B or something? Verbo, I yeah, that one. People say it so fast. I'm like, B-O-B, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we've never even been on the platform for our yellow door, but, you know, it might be something that we consider in Big Bear. We haven't really done, you know, too much research as far as what platform we're going to put it on. Every area is mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, like every area has different platforms that might be more successful to them compared to others. So, I mean, up here we might definitely play with Verbo versus Airbnb just because it seems like a lot of people do list on Verbo, but it'll all just kind of depend. We do like sticking with Airbnb. They've, you know, through their ups and downs and through COVID, mm-hmm. they have been communicating to guests and hosts and we just feel that they're, you know, doing everything they can to pivot in this changing economy as well. Yeah. Um, So where do you see yourself in a few years from now? Um, Hopefully with more yellow door locations um, and then just, you know, building off of the yellow door platform so that we can assist, you know, in the design and growth part of it for other people so that we can just diversify the business a little bit more. So our goal is for one of us to be running it full time, my husband or myself. Um, just kind of depending on our current careers and where things go and also with future family planning and things like that so yeah our babies soon it's definitely in the works but you know as we're taking things week by week it's kind of hard to imagine planning for a baby in the mix but you know you can't plan these things so no, I, it, yeah, we moved to Austin and we were doing construction on my house and we had my son and he was crawling. It was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so have your house done before. I mean, the reality is, is it's not going to be. Um, being a contractor's daughter, I don't <laughs> think I've ever lived in a house completely done for more than two years. So, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of part of yeah, my lifestyle. that's true. <clears throat> I always grew up saying I would yeah. never do that, but here I am, so... <laughs> Well, that's nice to have your dad. I'm sure he gives you guys a little bit of a discount. You get to see him. Like, it's better when you know someone and have to just outsource. You know they're giving you a legit price. Oh, yeah. Because we dealt with contractors here, and it's a nightmare. That, and I mean, I, he's my dad, but even if he wasn't, he's really just amazing at what he does. He can look at something, and he can fix it easily, or he knows what the problem is, and he knows how to identify anything that's outsourcing that problem. And so just his knowledge and his expertise is worth every penny and having him be my dad and be here to be part of the process is even cooler. Yeah. Do you think you've inspired people like friends and family to do what you guys are doing? I think so. Definitely. I mean, you know, we converted my girly tans Instagram account to the yellow door. So a lot of the followers are from girly tans. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, one of my tanning clients, her and her husband are starting an Airbnb. And I definitely think it's because of us. And they're the ones that I've been helping set up. So it's pretty cool. It's exciting to get to a point when you know you're doing well and other people want you to help them. I think that's like the biggest compliment. Yeah. And I just, I think it's just really fun. And I love to be a part of people's success. And I've always been a huge supporter of small business. Um, obviously being spray tanning and babysitting and just you know, <laughs> building relationships 
I think that America is built on small business and it's just something that we need to focus on and always support. So I think it's pretty cool to be a part of anyone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I hope this inspires other people to want to own Airbnbs, rental properties, or help them if they're thinking about it. And did you have any questions for me or anything like that? Or anything you want to leave the audience with? I would just always say, you know, go after your goals. If you think it's something that you want to do, whether it's real estate, spray painting, any other industry, you just have to put yourself out there and try and go for it. I mean, that's the only thing that's going to make it work. You can't just sit there and think about it. You got to put it into action and just go for it. Yeah, I agree. Just do it and then figure out the pieces later. That's how I've always rolled. (laughs) (laughs) Just start. Yeah. And then everything else will figure itself out. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you again for coming on. And I hope I'm so excited to continue watching the journey on your Instagram. It's fun to watch the process. I really appreciate it. And I love watching you and your family grow out in Texas and we'll keep following along. Okay, sounds good. Enjoy the rest you of your day. Bye. Bye. I hope you loved today's episode. Um, I have a new episode every Sunday. I interview small business owners. If you have someone you want to nominate who's just a badass, who has a great story, whatever it may be, DM at Don't Call Me Girl Boss and let me know why I should interview them. Also, if you loved this podcast, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That's the only way to really support the podcast. And I just really appreciate every single one of you listening. And I hope you enjoyed it and became a better version of yourself and really gained some tips, some tricks, just anything from this podcast. Um, I'll see you next week.